Welcome to Mind Over Matter with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. I share stories of insight, personal experience, ways in which I and others have overcome obstacles, and the importance of perseverance. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am thrilled to have you here on my podcast, tuning in weekly as I share two episodes with you. My goal through this podcast is to inspire and empower as well as motivate you to move forward in life. I also provide one-on-one coaching, so if that's something you're interested in, listen all the way to the end for ways to connect with me. Welcome to episode number 153. This week's topic is all about how to step into confidence and to be you for you. Welcome to this week's podcast episode. I brought on Richard Gordon. Richard, welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Give the listeners a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? Uh, My name is Richard E. Gordon. I currently live in San Diego, California, originally from New York City. And I am a career martial artist. And I take what I've learned in the world of martial arts and equate it to how to help business owners and corporate executives and corporations apply those lessons to have a better, more fulfilled, profitable life. And from your background in martial arts, you shared with me a little bit about the internal battles and asking questions. So can you dive even deeper into, I don't know a ton about martial arts, but can you just give more background on what that is and what the lessons taught you and how you're using that today? Sure. And that's good when people don't have a lot of foundation in something because they don't have a lot of misconceptions. So I always look at that as a good thing because your mind is open. So the martial arts has like people have a concept of what they see in TV and movies. And so they have a limited, very limited scope, which is good because then I could expand upon we're more than just fighting and jumping in action scenes in a movie, which is definitely part of it. But the bigger part is to develop yourself. You know, and again, I talk a lot about be you for you. So that's how the martial arts has fit into my life, has fit into all of the people that I teach. It's because you are developing yourself. We're not developing to go out and fight and to beat our people or to do these challenges in the street. You know, that's, again, great for movies. And again, it did happen back in the day. But what we develop as a true martial artist and I'm a grandmaster in the arts is developing myself, my talents, physically, mentally and emotionally. And so I developed those to the fullest. And so with that, we use drills of physical drills, techniques, movements, but movements are found in aerobics and yoga and Tai Chi and Pilates. So there's a few different moves that are combat related, but a lot of the moves are the same to develop our physical strength for ourselves, not to fight, but to be physically strong, to deal with whatever challenges we have in life. And you touched on, you know, strengthening your mental talent so what what kind of mindset does martial arts teach sure and and the beauty is is we know in society and history the strongest physical person doesn't always win so that's great for the rest of us you know i'm pretty strong but i'm not the strongest guy and i'm not always going to be the strongest guy so you have to rely on other techniques other things to help you so you have to mentally understand how to avoid getting into a conflict that's not in your best interest if someone's six seven and they're determined to hurt me, I have to come up with another plan because it's not going to be in my best interest to roll around the ground with this person, especially if it's in a professional environment, you're with your family and the true essence of self-defense. So I have to mentally be able to control the situation, diffuse his anger and see what's causing him to be angry. Are we fighting over a parking spot? He thinks I took his parking spot. The easiest thing is to say, sir, 
allow me to give you the parking spot. But that doesn't always happen that way because it's the flip side comes in the emotion. So not only the mental, but you have the emotional side of it. People get very territorial. They get very upset. They're offended. They feel their honor was insulted. Someone insulted their girlfriend, their wife. So they, they go on emotion. So the martial arts essence of lessons is to teach us to control that emotion, you know, not deny it. We're all emotional creatures and beings, but to understand that I'll get emotional if someone insults me, if someone pushes me, if someone threatens me, my initial reaction is to be emotional, but not to act on it. And something that came to mind while you were talking is what about, because you gave an example of an external conflict. What about the internal conflicts we face every day? Negative self-talk, doubt, mm -hmm. not feeling enough, whatever it may be. How do you battle that? And a wonderful question because that is what we bring to the equation. If we have any conflict and we bring it to someone else that has conflict, we have conflict. So the essence of the development of a martial artist and a person who's well-trained in the arts, any discipline, you learn to control those internal battles, the self-talk, the self-doubt. And through drills and exercises, we develop confidence in our own ability. It doesn't mean we're always going to get that job. We're always going to pass the interview process. But we know that we're going to do the best we can and give it the best effort on that given day. So that's the lessons we learn that you're going to do the best you can physically, mentally, emotionally. You're going to show up in full. And not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone's going to select you for the job. Not everyone's going to want to work with you. But you are going to bring the best you to the equation. And that's in the martial arts world, as well as the business world and the relationship world. You're going to bring the best you to a relationship. It doesn't mean you're going to be happily married for 100 years, but you're going to bring the best you to that relationship. You have the best chance of success overall. And question, when we're talking martial arts, are we talking karate? Uh, well, martial arts have, yeah, great name. Martial arts have a lot of different names that come onto it, but it's basically the, the martial art is the fighting arts, the combat arts. And then under that is the different branches where they originated. Some originated in Japan, jiu-jitsu is around the world, but it's well known for the Brazilians who brought it to America and made it very popular on TV. So Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know, you have karate, you have stuff from Japan, you have stuff from Korea, Taekwondo. So each nation has their own representation of how they protected themselves throughout time and developed their strengths. And so they each call it something different and follow a philosophical and cultural philosophy and then impart that in their lives for success and happiness and for full growth. Got it. Can, is this fair to say it's almost like a physical religion since it comes from each area of the world? Great, great question. And I've been teaching the martial arts for over 40 years, and I have that question all the time. It's kind of a double-edged sword because some people are like opposed to another religion, and then other people see it like you do, that there are some trends to the religious. So the answer is no, it's not a religion, but it definitely has customs and traits and moral fiber that other things have. So some schools do take it as a religion. You have Shaolin monks. You know, everybody knows the Shaolin monks, and you know, they see them in the nice orange robes and do pretty amazing stuff. And to them, it is part of their religion. But in most cases, it's kind of separated out where you can teach the martial arts based on all the cultural and leave out basically what makes something a religion is the religious dogma, the religious doctrine. And so in most martial arts, it's not present. But yeah, you're absolutely correct. It's a, it's a very parallel kind of thing. And so previously, when you were talking about when we deal with these internal conflicts, it's creating confidence. Do you have steps or 
tools to give listeners on maybe if they're feeling not so confident, how to increase their confidence? Uh, great point because yes, we, we all need things to do, things to say, just physical acts that really jumpstart our, our body. So like deer in the headlights, if something happens, it could be in a work environment, you could be shocked by a question at a presentation, it could be something going wrong, you're, you're a speaker and everybody's been there, your, your PowerPoint goes down, you got no PowerPoints. So you have to internally think about it. And the main thing is your posture. Posture makes a world of difference because when you have that, you get bombarded by something, your body tends to shrink up, tends to tense up, the hands get tight. You know, there's all these signs that you're kind of withdrawing inside. It's sort of like, we call it turtle up. It's really like turtling up. So the first thing is, is to just expand the chest. Everyone knows this, but not many people do it. You know, when you stand up, shoulders back, chin out, you expand your chest. And what does that do? It expands your breathing. And so the next step is the breathing. You know, again, we all breathe all the time. But as you know, if you do any type of real fitness, we don't breathe correctly. We breathe very shallow. We don't get enough oxygen. We don't really cleanse. So the thing is to get your posture straight. And then start your breathing cycle to really breathe. And then it frees up your brain, which is getting stuck in the deer headlights. And what this does is that we go back to animal kingdom. We're not far removed from our animals. When you do this, people see this as a competent person. They see this as a formidable opponent. And they think twice, oh, wow. Or if you see someone on stage where the mic goes out and they stand with the confidence, you're like, wow, that, that person's handling it really well. She's definitely cool under pressure. And you, you get more of an alignment to them as opposed to the the victim or the person yelling at the tech, you idiot, you tech. And it's like, whoa, you lose respect. So the posture, the breathing, and then the eye contact. You know, what happens when things happen? Our eyes start to go every which way. It's kind of like we show in a confused state. So stay focused, focused, focused. This appearance gives much more of a, a positive influence to people seeing you. And it also tells yourself, we got this. And so whatever the mantra you tell you, we got this, we're okay. We're under control. You can get out of that fear and flight mode. Lots I've seen people run off the stage. I'm sure in your experience you have as well. I've seen very prominent people get so frustrated they really run off the stage. And then someone comes out and says, they'll be back in five minutes. We're having technical difficulties. So those things work like magic. And it also works on the other person because if they see the victim and they see this, then they kind of go in for the kill. Yeah. Well, and something you've shared with me separately or another chat that we had that you're so passionate about is to be you for you. Can you explain that? Sure. Uh, in, in all my research of, of 40 years in the martial arts, working with people from all over the world and different businesses and different aspects of what makes them not only successful, because we can be limitedly successful financially, but what makes them fully, completely successful as a person and happy in good relationships is the be you for you. You have to develop who you were meant to be. Again, we all know this. We all see the slogans, but I keep talking to people and coaching and they move away from that. You know, they're doing it because of the family. They're working a job because it has security and they're doing things that are not true to themselves. And so with the martial arts, we are developing the individual to be the best person they can be. Not everyone can fly 10 feet high like you see in the movie. Not everyone's going to be like Jackie Chan. Not everyone's going to be like Bruce Lee. And so the beauty is you can take all of the traditions of 3,000 years of martial arts or business or whatever it is in your life and you can fine tune it to yourself. You don't need to be the typical lawyer. You can become a lawyer and be true to yourself. Maybe be a, a pro bono lawyer if you can afford that and work with causes. So the trick is to find what you makes you happy and ask the question, what makes me happy? I talk to many people that never asked themselves that question. 
What makes them happy, they think, is to provide, to have a good job, to have money, money in the bank, security, nice car. But truly, be you for you, I've seen is, okay, what the question is, what is going to make you happy? And it doesn't have to be major. It can be simple, simple tweaks in your life. Well, and that seems to be a common theme in in a lot of people that I interview is stepping into your authenticity. And for Mm -hmm. some people, but they have years of conditioning of going through the motions or doing what they're, quote, supposed to do, you know, following conformity, living inside what I call a boring ass box. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what do you even tell somebody that maybe they feel so lost? I mean, how do I how do I be me? And again, that's always the, the most important question because, yeah, people don't know that. And I'm, I'm working with two young college students, one who just graduated and one who's 18 going to college. And they are coming to me with the pat responses that their parents have told them in society. This is what you need to do. This is the college you need to select. And so what I tell them is I say, just take a breath. Think about what you truly want to be. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to choose your course for the rest of your life, but decide. Do you want to be in a corporate structure? Do you want to be an entrepreneur? Do you want to do something to help people? Do you want to do something creative? So those are the first steps is to really ask someone, are you, you know, if you're working in a corporate structure, maybe you want to be outside. So that's the first question they're asked. You'll never be happy and true to you if you're working inside. Maybe you're outside. You don't want to be inside. I know plenty of people that want to work in a corporate structure or people that are home-based. They don't like it. They want to be in the, in the corporate world, go to work. So those are the key questions. And it's not as dramatic to make a change as you would think once you identify because you can add it to your life. You can go to your company and say, hey, do we have outside work that I can do? I want to be, I'm, a, I'm a nurse, but can I be a clinical nurse that visits homes? Bam, simple switch to be you. You're out, you're dealing with people. So what I say is start simple. You know, again, everybody thinks they have to tank their whole lives or they have to really just completely go against all of the grains. No, you, you just have to simply make a s- simple choice and then it comes with simple steps to reach your goal. Well, and I think something that came to mind, a key point in all of that is it's okay to change your mind. So it's okay. Yeah. 18, you probably don't have it all figured out. Actually, you don't have it all figured out, right? Absolutely. My dad is retired and has been, I think, for like seven years. And um, he's still wondering, what do I want to do with my life? So I think it's to take that pressure off that you have to know right now. And once you make a decision, you're stuck. You're not stuck. Oh, and, and I agree with that. And that's exactly the advice I gave to the two of them because they were like, I have to decide. And, and some of one of the young girls, her family gave her one month. They're like, you need one month to decide your career, your life, your business. And you try not to jump in the middle of family dynamics, but I have to interject and say, no, that's, that's not the way this is going to work. And I said, you have to decide what you want to be in life, but there's many paths to get there. So, you know, some people are forced into being nurses. Again, if that's not your passion, then you have to try and figure out how to get into another field that is going to be your passion. But you're absolutely right. We, we have so much external pressure and you know, we find a job because it's paid and it's uh, reliable, dependable. They don't do layoffs. Statistics say so. Yeah, it's hard, and I, I always recommend seek counsel. You know, you need to seek counsel, and you need to seek people that are going to give you straight advice without a bias. And so, we all need some sort of coach or guidance. And if your school guidance counselors are not helping you, then then find someone else. You know, join a group, join young entrepreneurs, join uh, you know a chamber group. You can do a lot of groups as a young friend. This, this, like you say, it takes. I work with people who are in their fifties and still did a job for 30 years and they're thinking, wow, I kind of wasted 30 years doing that job. And it did nothing for me other than, you know, pay the bills, which you can have more than that in life. 
Well, something else I think the key is to, it's okay to change your perspective. And so I'm 12 years removed from college. Of course, I have hindsight now, but it's amazing to see how each job that I had built on the next. And so for me, when I was in college, I didn't decide my, my major until two years in when I had to. So I got to go through two years of kind of trial and error. And then even then, unless you have, my opinion, unless you have a specialized degree in engineer, a doctor, whatever, you just, you need that piece of paper to get in the door if, if corporate's the way you want to go. But let's say people that have taken the non-traditional route and, and maybe they're finding themselves at a crossroads, what do you suggest for them to, okay, how do I step back? How do I, yeah, I guess what training would you give them about this BU for you? Yeah. And, and, and that's the key to the, this whole equation of life and everybody has the same goal. But what I do with them, like I said, is the questions. It's truly the questions because you sit down and you say, what is it that's going to make you happy? And they know the answer to that question, but what's happened, they suppressed it down for so many years because they put everything first, their family, their company, their career, their obligations. You know, there's a long list of very responsible things. And I find that people hide behind that. Oh, I'm successful, so I don't have to worry about being happy. I'm successful or I shouldn't be happy. So I, I ask the question, what would make you happy? And then Again, they know the answer, but they often struggle to come up with what the answer is. And sometimes it's simple as more time with my family. And that's a very simple fix because then you carve out, you know, they might be working too much or they might be traveling a lot with business. And then they have to carve their job to allow more time with their family or bring their family with them. I recommend that on occasion. Can your family come with you? We all know there's usually a day before and a day after you can buffer around business. And then that makes a world of difference because your family feels included. You, you're not away from them so many days. They kind of see what you're doing and you get to have some family time. You know, San Diego is a great destination. People come here early. They go to Disney World, Disneyland. They go to Legoland. And it becomes a family vacation as opposed to dad, mom always being away. So the question too is what will make you happy? And then the answers are always are often very simple. Because it's just something they've never addressed before. Maybe carve out some time at work where you come home. And I had a friend that would put his briefcase and phone in his trunk and lock it. So that was his measure to just unplug because he needed to do that because he was in a very demanding position. But he said, hey, if it happens when I get home at 8 o'clock at night till the next morning, I'll put out fires at 7 in the morning. And that was his way of giving his time to his wife and his children. And guess what? They appreciated it. When dad walked in and the husband walks in without the briefcase and the phone world of difference. Happiness started setting in because the wife is happy, a child is happy, the family's happier as a unit. And so he's still within his structure, but all of a sudden he asked the question, what would make me happy if my phone wasn't constantly attached to my head over the weekend when I'm off? It was a simple fix. And for some people to ask that question, what makes me happy? You might say, I don't know. And I think my response would be, it's, it's multi-layer. So what makes me happy? Have an answer. And then but ask why. Why does that make me happy? And then I think you'll end up drilling down to really the foundation for your happiness. Yes, you're, you're absolutely right because we're multifaceted people. And that's why, again, especially like we're saying, people are very good at, at layering it down. Like we push it down. You know, we push our happiness down to the last priority. You know, we're, we're a father, we're a mother, we're a husband, we're a wife, we're a brother, we're a sister, we're a son. So we push all of our happiness down to the bottom, especially in the, in the woman's world. The woman puts everybody first. You know, again, it's, you get to genders. And yes, traditionally, genders, women are the nurturers. So women are doing for everybody else. 
and they're the last priority. So they like, what, what makes me happy? What do I want to eat? It doesn't matter. You know, I got a family to feed. I'll eat whatever. So it becomes that same thing of trying to unearth really what makes you happy. What have you suppressed? And guess what happens? When you're suppressing your happiness and suppressing what makes you happy, it comes out in another way. You get some resentment. You get bitter. You get frustrated. You wake up and say, wow, I've been serving people for my whole life and they do nothing for me, which isn't necessarily true, but you're expecting something in return. They're doing what you condition them to do. You know, if you're a father or mother and you continuously serve, then people will continuously be served. So that's part of the dynamics as well. Yes. As a key takeaway from this conversation, what is one piece of advice you want people to walk away with? The key to all of your happiness is be you for you. And what that means is be confident, be confident with who you are. You know, too, too many times we look at other people, we look at media, we look at all of this pretty and glitz going out there. And again, you, and again, this is like always the pat phrase you see on post, but it truly is true. You are beautiful and created unique in your own way. And the sooner you realize that, and the sooner you live with confidence, and again, you're not always going to get every date, not always going to get every job, but even people who are perfectly tall and straight teeth and great skin, they don't get every job either. But we tend to not look at that. So just look at you as being a beautiful person. You have a lot to offer the world. And once I can get people to see that in themselves, because I see it, and I know you see that as well, because you have a beautiful spirit. So you know it's the spirit. But once people realize their spirit is what we look for, true people, then they can live in the spirit and they can be truly happy. And they're not trying to compete with all of these barrage of images that are so unrealistic. You know, once you realize that the images we see are so unrealistic, then we're like, I'm good where I'm at. Sometimes I feel though that's easier said than done, right? Especially now with technology and we're inundated all the time. Everywhere I go, it's almost sad, but everywhere I go, people are on their phone, whether it's the bus, the train, the grocery store, meals. I think that is so terrible at restaurants. You're with your friends, but you're not because you're on your phone. Mm -hmm. So what suggestions do you give people to maybe quiet the distractions or put that down to be more present, to be more authentic? And, and that's always going to be the challenge because everybody, I have discussion all the time about cell phones, but it was stuff in the past too. So there's always something that is distracting us. When TVs came to be, people thought it was evil. You know, it was like, oh, the TV, the box, the idiot box, the TV was like sucking your soul. So it's always going to be something that distracts us. And it's not the thing, it's us. I mean, we're seeking, we're seeking what to distract. Yeah. And the same thing, carve out time, you know, carve out time to meditate. Call about time to, to pray if you pray, and then that will free you up, and that frees you from all of these cycles of the phone. And then once you come out of that, you're going to start connecting more to people. So once you get it, comes back to the developing yourself. Once you develop yourself, your confidence, and I find that's a lot too. The phone is a great confidence escaper. People walk into a networking event and they're not, they lack confidence, so they're on their phone like they're either important or they're distracted. They don't have to deal with that lack of confidence. So the breathing, the meditation. The prayer will get you centered and then you proceed with confidence. So you really don't feel you need this attachment and you, mm. you need that escape. Like you see someone is like, oh, I can't talk to you because I'm here. So to develop the self, to develop your own confidence in all situations. And, and that will help you cut away. for good. I think cell phones are good. You know, we use them. We use them a lot. We communicate. With so there's always that fine line. If you want to do away with it. But no, you, you have to have self-control. It comes back to, again, confidence, self-control how to use it, when to use it, um, how to communicate effectively. My daughter's 13. She's got cell phones and Kindles and iPads, but she's an effective communicator because we require that. So mm. she's just not engulfed in media. She's involved in 
putting it down, talking, interacting, conversations, meaningful conversations. So there has to be a balance. So yes, the, the goal and takeaway is do your breathing. That helps you center. That helps your mind focus. And then that will cut you from all of the distractions, whether it's cell phone, TVs, any other things that are distracting you in life. Yes. I love this stuff. Okay, I have a couple questions for you, rapid fire, to wrap up this interview. And the first one would be, what is a quote or motto that you live by? Uh, I always use Bruce Lee. It happens to be within the martial arts world, but what he said was really profound. And I use it in the DU for you. It's like, be like water, my friend. And so the translation I take, there's a million of them. I take it that water will flow to its source. And it doesn't matter what gets in its way, a rock, a stick. Uh, a, a building. It doesn't matter. I mean, we've all seen this with our own eyes. Water will just find a way around. You, know, you see water seeping through a crack. And where is it going? It's going to its source, whether it's a river, whether it's a lake, whether it's a drain, water continues to flow. So that I like to apply in life because we're going to be met with obstacles. So we're going to continue to pass the obstacles and, and water puts as minimal effort in it as possible. It doesn't make a fuss. It doesn't stop. doesn't need and have a committee and decide which way to go. It's rapid fire. Bam. It's already going left. You know, it's like a, a quick decision because it's got to get where it's going. So that's why I love using that one. I love that too. The power of water, actually. You're right. Oh, yeah. There's a lot, a lot of symbolism with the water. So, yes. That's why I'm at the beach every day. I cannot, cannot resist to go there every day. What is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend? Uh, I read multiple books at a time. But the, the one I'm reading now is, is by my good friend Greg Reed called Wealth Hacks. And what that does is it takes back the curtain and gives you exposure to millionaires and billionaires, and they teach you their secrets to success. And the beauty is it's stuff we don't know because we're not normally hanging around with a lot of millionaires and billionaires. And it's a lot of things we didn't think they thought. We have misconceptions. And one is a quick thought on that is one is passion. Everybody says pursue your passion. That's one of the big things. But the head of waste management said, my passion is not picking up dirty diapers. It's not picking up other people's trash. He said, that was a business opportunity. And I seized it. So that's how millionaires and billionaires look at stuff. They look at stuff as opportunities to make money and to be successful. And then guess what? Once they become successful picking up dirty diapers and trash or whatever the grunge work is, they have the money, the time, and the resources to pursue their passions. So it's just it's a very simple twist on things, but we've been thinking that way and conditioned to think that way for so long, right? How many people have said, pursue your passion, the money will come? Yeah, no, that's fair. Do they also in that book talk about mindset or morning routines or what is it that these very successful people do to create that momentum? Yeah, and there's lots of different ways to get there, but they all talk about overcoming adversity. So, so every single one of them, you know, uh, Brian Smith with Ugg Boots, he's listed in there. And, and every single one of them, as far as the whole water content, they talk about hitting the rock and overcoming adversity. And I'll actually send you a copy of the book if you'd like. Well, that'd be awesome. And I, I think you're right. And I think, so could you also say adversity maybe is failure? Some, I don't even like the word failure. I don't use it. I think everything is a lesson and it's more about pivoting. I agree with you. I don't use the word failure either. So there's certain words that I, I and that comes back to that mindset of success. I, I've eliminated certain words like hate. I don't use the word hate unless this scenario explain it because I don't think it needs to apply because it evokes a negative response. So I agree with the fact. Yeah, you, you're going to meet challenges and you're going to meet obstacles. 
it doesn't matter what line of work you So yes, that's what all the millionaires and billionaires said, that they have along the way. They have met numerous. And the more successful you are, the more obstacles you are going to encounter and the more confident you become that you can solve them. And that's the difference because they meet obstacles all the time and they might blow us away because they're dealing with maybe tens of millions of dollars. And depending on your status, tens of million dollars is going to make you go, <gasps> where they're like, okay, let's look at it logically. Let's look at our options. Let's get out of here with minimal damage. And they might still lose. You see all the time millionaires lose a couple of million dollars, but that's all the cost of doing business. You know, we invest money as well at a, at a lower level. and We lose it. It doesn't work out, but you move on. So yeah, they talk about obstacles. They talk about the confidence to deal with them more effectively and avoid them in the future. And I would also assume a high tolerance for risk. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no risk, no gain. You know, again, we've, yeah. we've said that a million times. And truly, the safe road doesn't really work. You know, it can keep you in a very modest lifestyle, but it doesn't work if you're trying to be successful in any industry. Yes. Okay, final question for you. What advice would you give your younger self? Uh, and again, I get asked this question often, which I think is a very valuable question. And I always go back to, I would never change anything that happened in my life. So that's always an interesting quote, because I'm a big believer. If I change one thing, it will change where I am now. Good, bad, and otherwise, I kind of good where I'm at. But I go back to the be you for you. And going back to myself, and I've been like everyone, I've been swayed and pulled in different directions, not in a bad way, but just people thought I should take this path of success. And I was, but it wasn't for me. So my advice to me would be, don't take that path because it's leading to success. Be you for you. And I eventually did, like you and I talked, you made that same decision. And I made that decision to say, no, that's not the right path for me. But I put a lot of time, energy, and effort into that path when I could have been being true to me because I was financially very successful, but I, literally I was miserable. I was yeah. a young man. I was 22 years old and I had everything that everyone thought I should want in life. And I was like, miserable so it's like a double whammy because everybody's like oh dude you're the man i'm in the back of limousines and the limos driver's like dude and i'm like in my heart i'm thinking wow if only you knew so my advice to me and that's what i'm coaching these young people with is be you from you from the start out of the gate yes i i love it and i really do love what you're sharing and thank you for joining me today to uh give us your history Oh, it was a pleasure. It's a pleasure talking to you. I appreciate your spirit. I appreciate what you're doing. And any way I can support you, by all means, I'm here. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. To connect with me further, you can find me on Facebook, Heather Hakes. I am also on Instagram as Heather.Hakes. And I even have a YouTube channel. Guess what? Heather Hakes. I'll catch you on the next episode.